What Remains Inside, Part 3, Six Months Later, Winter, 1982. Chapter 14. I looked at myself in the mirror while I applied navy blue eyeliner. I opened my eye wide and colored across the bottom lid and then a little more underneath. When I was done, my eyes were boldly outlined. My lids were shaded in a deep blue shadow. I had on a navy and white striped dress, white nylons, and the navy pumps that Dad had bought me at the North Dartmouth Mall. My hair was down, and I wore a thin braided band over my forehead, like the ones Terry wore when she went out dancing at clubs in Amherst. Mom stood in the doorway in high black boots and brown silky gauchos. She was wearing a black polyester kerchief over her hair and had all of her hair smoothed back underneath it. I could smell her jean nette. It overtook the room. She was staring at me while I got ready. I put some lip gloss on and I could feel her watching me. What? I finally said, holding my brush, ready to apply the blush. I was just thinking, she said. I know it's going to sound terrible, but I think you were lucky that you got pregnant when you did. She leaned against the doorframe. I looked up at her. She squinted her eyes and took a drag of her cigarette. Why? I said. I had to half pretend that what she was saying was okay. I couldn't make it obvious that she was mean to me. I had to act like we were friends and she was confiding in me. I sucked my lips in and powdered blush over my cheek. I think if you hadn't gotten pregnant when you did, you would have become a slut. I think the abortion kept you from sleeping with every guy who came around. I didn't say anything. Don't you think so, Donna? She asked me. She walked over to the mirror and nudged in next to me. She puckered her lips and inspected herself in the mirror. Maybe, I said. I didn't like to tell her too much. I moved away from her. I started putting my makeup in my pocketbook. I didn't feel like being so physically close to her. I turned and started to walk out of the room. She grabbed my arm as I turned to go. She was staring right at me. I mean, you got in that car with that boy Ryan. He had a girlfriend, and there you were at some party when all the nice girls had already gone home. You would have gone to bed with any one of those boys. I don't think so, I said, and gently tried to release myself. I felt a searing pain in my heart and stomach. I felt ashamed of myself. I wondered if that was true. I wondered if Ryan Todd had thought I was a slut. I remembered his eyes on me, the sweet communication. She held on tighter. I know so. She said back and squeezed my arm. God made you get pregnant to stop you. Just then I heard the horn of Kathy's Buick. My mother turned in the direction of the horn. You and that Kathy are becoming a couple of whores. I pulled my arm away and brushed past her and rushed out of the house. I got into the car and slammed the door. I looked at our house. I hated the house. I hated my mother. The inside of Kathy's car was warm. Kathy was dressed up too. She had a skirt and a tight button-down shirt on. It was tied so that some of her belly was showing. Her blonde hair was combed straight and parted in the middle. She was little, maybe five feet tall. She wore spiked heels, and I was amazed as I watched her little feet with those tall heels pressing down on the gas pedal. She almost seemed too small for the car, except for the candy sandals. Kathy smiled at me, but it wasn't exactly friendly. 
She was smoking one of her long, thin, Virginia Slim's light menthols. Listen, she started. I took a drag from my cigarette. My dad says you can't keep calling us at night. I know your mother is nuts, but my dad says you can't keep coming over late at night either. I looked at her little hands. She held on to the steering wheel, just like my Nana, cautiously, with one hand at 10 o'clock and one at two o'clock. That's fine, I said, and pulled the car ashtray. I flicked my cigarette a couple of times. Here, she said, and handed me a can of beer. I opened it and swallowed down a few sips quickly. The nice woozy feeling came over me. I felt the fear and hatred retreat into a tiny corner. It sat there watching me, but its voice was giving into sleep. My shoulders relaxed and so did my neck. I swallowed down another couple of big gulps. Do you want to go to this fucking thing, she said, and looked out the window for cops. Then she gulped down some of her beer. She held the can in between her thighs while she drove, and I saw that her skirt was scorts. It's going to be a bunch of fucking babies. There'll be nothing to drink. Kathy and I were so much more mature than high school kids. It was true. The junior dance would be fucking boring, pointless. The only thing was that a girl in my English class had told me they were going to give me an award for the most school spirit. I looked at Kathy, then said, Mary Ramos said they're giving me an award for the most school spirit. Are you fucking kidding me, she said, and started to spit out her beer. She held a hand over her mouth and swallowed. Then she put the cigarette in her mouth. She held it to one side and took a drag. For a moment, she looked like a New Bedford fisherman, tough with weathered skin. How did she get so old? She hadn't inherited it from her small, quiet accountant father. It's true. Mary Ramos told me. Mary was on the majorette squad. She was a happy girl with black hair that she curled into two long curls on either side of her face. When I talked, Mary always listened intently. Her eyes would smile, and she always nodded quickly while she listened. She had a sweet way about her. When she told me, I had asked her, why would they pick me? I mean, why would they think I have the most spirit? Because, Donna, you are so funny. You make everyone laugh, she had told me. Kathy was still laughing. No fucking way, Kathy now said, and a smile crossed her face. Why? She checked her teeth in the rearview mirror, and she wiped some red lipstick from the two front ones. I don't know. They said I'm funny. Who said? I don't know. I didn't know. Maybe people that Mary Ramos knew. Then Kathy's face softened. Well, let's go get that award then. If you want it, let's go get it. We can make it fun. I don't give a shit. We can down some beers before we go in and always go out after that. We'll get your award, then leave. But I realized I didn't want it. I could picture the dance, the guys who seemed so young. Kissing them felt like explaining some obvious fact of life to a child. Or worse, they acted like it was some big deal as if we were going to get married. No, I said, that's fucking stupid. I don't have any school spirit. I don't want to go. I already knew that I wasn't going to be like Sherry and work my way back into high school, back into a time before I had learned all these grown-up things. What would be the point? I would just be pretending. Let's go dancing, I finally said, to Smuggler's Den. About 20 minutes later, we pulled into Smuggler's Den parking lot. The club sat on the edge of the New Bedford Harbor. A dike led out to the black water, and I knew that rats lived in between the rocks with broken beer bottles, empty cigarette butts, and orphan socks. I had seen the rodents before. They were almost as big as cats, 
and they didn't scurry quickly like mice. They sauntered, sometimes stopped, then continued on their way. I didn't think they were afraid of people. I didn't want to disturb their world. I looked out towards the harbor and could smell the oily fish smell. The tide must have been low. The water looked black under the dark sky, and there was a thud that sounded like wood hitting rock each time the water lapped the dike at the edge of the parking lot. There were a lot of cars parked outside, even though it was early and a Thursday night. As I opened the car door, I could see the bouncer sitting under the yellow light on a stool by the entrance. The light behind him made him look like a chubby silhouette. My heart beat with fear over trying to get past him with my fake ID. I had to remember that my name was Laura D. Corey. My birthday was September 3rd, 1956. Kathy stepped out of the car and crushed her cigarette on the ground with her high-heeled sandal. She locked the car door and jangled her large key chain while she walked. She had an enormous pink and yellow pom-pom on the chain. Come on, she said, and hurried towards the bouncer. I had a pit in my stomach as I followed her through the parking lot. Her high plastic sandals crunched the asphalt. My pumps were quieter, more genteel. As we got closer to the door, I could see the short, heavy-set guy on the stool more clearly. He had close-cut, black, curly hair and wore a leather blazer. It was a little too tight around his biceps, and he looked uncomfortable. The music blared, and the colored lights flashed behind him. Ladies, he said, how are you tonight? He wore a blue Izod shirt under his jacket, and I don't know why, but I had the feeling that if I got closer, I could smell perspiration that had dried in the porous cloth of the shirt. Do you two have identification? A breeze of alcohol shot through the door from down the little hallway that led to the club. It was mixed with smoky air. Boom, 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 kept blaring from inside, almost shaking the walls and the floor of the building. You couldn't make out the song, but the bass pounded the rhythm all around us. Because it was forbidden, we wanted it more. It was exciting to get into smugglers. I wanted to go in and dreaded rejection. Often, a bouncer would look at our IDs, laugh out loud and say, Sorry, ladies, can't let you in with these. Kathy smiled at him and raised her eyebrows and then smiled again, showing her teeth. She raised her shoulders and gave him a cocky grin. When she did, her shirt rose up and showed more of her stomach. It was thin and muscular. I didn't look at him at all. Kathy confidently handed her ID to him, and he held it up to the dim light of the overhanging porch. While I waited, I noticed the deck above us, and I could hear shoes moving across the wood. Then I heard hushed voices and a girl laughing. Oh, shut the fuck up! Thank you, Debbie, he said to Kathy. I handed mine to him and smiled nervously. He didn't look very closely at it. He just handed it back to me. And thank you, Laura. I smiled at him. Thanks, I said. Have fun, ladies. I followed Kathy downstairs. The downstairs was mostly empty. The larger dance floor was upstairs. You could hear the music blaring more clearly from inside. Funky Town was playing and the bass pounded against the club wall. It had the feel of the fun house at Lincoln Park with all the banging dark hallways and smoke wafting past colored lights. Kathy was standing at the bar holding a $10 bill between two fingers. Her coral fingernails fiddled with the tip of the bills. She looked around the room while she waited for the bartender. Two sea breezes and two shots of tequila, she said. When the drinks got there, we salted and licked the top of our hand, quickly swallowed down the shot and then sucked on the lime. Whoa, Kathy yelled and slammed down the shot glass. I started to gag, but I had become good at keeping shots down. 
I quickly drank a few sips of my sea breeze. I could feel the tequila rush to my head. My body loosened up. The downstairs bar was empty. A few Pac-Man machines flickered and seemed to pursue a game on their own. The blue-colored Pac-Man moved around the maze, gobbling up dots. Things flashed, but then the screen would flash new game for a second. Then the Pac-Man appeared again. There was a small wooden dance floor, and only one couple was on it. They were hardly dancing, just squeezed tightly together in an embrace under the red and orange lights. No music was playing, but you could still hear the music from upstairs. Funky town. When we got upstairs, we stood at the bar and had another shot of tequila. Upstairs, we could hear the music full volume, and it was so loud, it was like swimming in it. The bass that shook the walls now vibrated in our bodies. You Make My Love Come Down was playing. The dance floor was full. It was about half the size of a roller rink. Towards the back were speakers and a DJ booth. Everyone was dancing under the strobe and colored lights. Kathy and I went out to the dance floor. We moved back and forth, singing along to the disco music. I leaned my head back and let my hair fall over the back of my shoulders. I leaned in and yelled to her, Aren't you glad that we aren't at the junior dance? What? She yelled back and started laughing hysterically. It was so crowded we kept getting pushed into each other. Aren't you glad we came here? Shit, yeah, she said and laughed in that grown-up, almost older male way. When Kathy danced, her whole body seemed to arch forward. She leaned her head back and raised her arms. When she did, her shirt rose up above her belly. She turned around and bent her knees. Then she turned back in the direction of the bar. Look, Kathy yelled back at me. Her long blonde hair swayed back and forth, and she kept moving to the beat while she pointed. I turned. I couldn't really recognize anyone. What? I yelled. Look, she said, and waved to a group at the bar. That's when I saw Guy waving back. It was Steve Smith, one of the football players from my sister Terry's high school class. They'd graduated over a year before. This group either hadn't gone to college or were all going to Southeastern Mass University, the college nearby. I could clearly see that Ryan Todd was there. Kathy and I kept dancing, but now I felt conspicuous. Now, somehow my eyes kept falling on them. I kept seeing Ryan in the corner of my eye. He was wearing a white shirt, and whenever the colored lights flickered, it changed the color of his shirt. Each time I looked over there, I would recognize him again. I saw his black hair, and even though he was talking with the other two guys, he kept his eyes on me. Finally, the song slowly faded and the lights went down before little flecks of white light started moving slowly around the dance floor like snowflakes. Donna Summers' Dim All the Lights started up, at first slowly, then the music picked up and the beat kept going. I leaned over to Kathy. I want to go home. It's fine, she said, and was dancing more animated than before. She had her arms up in the air and her plastic bangles clanged as she shook her wrists. I could feel myself growing larger and awkward. I felt like my feet were heavy and every move felt fake, stupid. The music peeled on. Kathy's knees were bent and she twisted side to side on her candies. She twisted back up to standing. I stopped dancing. I have to go to the bathroom, I said. Go ahead, she yelled over the blaring music. I walked off towards the back of the dance floor and deliberately cut through a dark section of tables to the bathroom. When I got into the bathroom, there were three stalls. A couple of girls were standing by a sink smoking. I opened the metal door and closed it and locked it. I stood there for a moment with my hand on the lock and leaned against the door. I felt scared. 
I could hear some other girls snorting coke in the stall next to me. I heard the loud, nasally inhale and then the <sighs> after, back and forth. I could feel and hear the bass outside of the door. I sat on the toilet in the little bathroom stall and put my head in my hands while I peed. I felt dizzy, woozy. I heard the music fade and then another dance beat pick up. I walked out of the bathroom and looked around. I walked back through the section with the tables and tried to find Kathy on the dance floor. But really, I knew where she was. I looked over at the bar and I saw the three guys there and Kathy standing in front of them. I could see the back of Ryan Todd. He was standing up. Kevin Morton was there too, sitting next to Steve Smith. Ryan looked the same as he did at New Bedford High School. I waited for a second and then I walked over to the bar. Ryan looked up and smiled. Hi, he whispered shyly as I walked over and stood beside Kathy. Hi, I said. Someone stood up from the bar stool next to Steve Smith and Kathy sat down, leaving me standing alone in front of Kevin and Ryan. Kathy started talking intensely with Steve Smith. Why aren't you girls in school? Kevin said loudly to me. Aren't you too young to be at a dance club? Kathy turned quickly and said in a low voice, half joking, Shut up. What are you, fucking stupid? I looked at the floor and didn't say anything. I noticed the blue from one of my leather pumps had stained the foot of my tights under my shoe. I could feel Ryan Todd looking at me. It's not like I hadn't seen him since my abortion. I had seen him many times. At school, at football games, even at parties. But he was in the distance. I just pretended he wasn't there. And most of the time, he was with Stacy. I had just accepted their relationship. I even felt understanding about it in some way. There was one time at a party, I'd heard Stacy say to her friend, I think we'll have chicken tonight for dinner. Ryan really likes chicken. I had felt a bolt of jealousy run through me. After that, I tried to not think about Ryan anymore. When I did, when he crossed my mind or if I passed him in the hallway and felt his eyes on me, I just thought of Stacy and the chicken. I concluded that my one night stand with him was a bad thing. After a while, I let him become brotherly in my imagination. I told myself that Ryan liked me like a little sister. That was after I saw him once at a party. It was the only time he and I talked since my abortion. He must have heard about me crying at school or something. He was still at New Bedford High, a senior then. For a while, I couldn't help but cry all the time. And one time the teachers had to bring me into the office because I couldn't stop crying in the hallway after school. All the girls on the field hockey team and some of the cheerleaders had witnessed me being taken away. It was Christmas time. Then one night I was at a house party and I was really drunk. Ryan and Stacy had been there all night. I just ignored them and made sure not to walk past them on my way to the bathroom or into another room. Then I saw that Ryan and Stacy were putting on their coats. They were about to leave. I had felt a little sad because even though I couldn't be with him, I liked knowing he was in the same room. But I was drunk and Sherry was cracking me up. I was laughing so hard I could hardly pay attention to them leaving. Sherry and I were leaning against a stairway. Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town was playing and I was laughing because Sherry had taken off her shoe and showed me that it was stuffed with toilet paper. It wasn't a little bit of toilet paper. When she took the wad out and started unraveling it, it was an endless roll of toilet tissue. She had borrowed her sister's new shoes, which were two sizes too big. 
I was holding the shoe with one hand. Sherry was unrolling the toilet paper. With my other hand, I was holding my stomach as I leaned over and laughed. I sensed that Ryan still hadn't left and was looking at me. I didn't look up. I wasn't going to stare at him at parties and talk to him without words. But finally, I did. I looked up from laughing, and he had a serious expression. His eyes were fixed on me. He whispered something to Stacy. He let go of her hand and started walking over to me. I was still holding the shoe and Sherry the toilet paper, but we weren't laughing anymore. He walked up to me and started to say something. He was looking deeply into my eyes. Finally, he leaned close to my ear and whispered softly, Donna, please be happy, okay? He pulled away and stood staring at me a moment. He didn't smile or say anything else. Even though I was drunk, after that I didn't feel drunk anymore. I just looked at him and somehow understood. It was as if these words were a message from the future, someplace far away. No one was ever that nice to me before. I couldn't have niceness now, but he was bringing a message that it was waiting for me somewhere, sometime else. He turned and walked back to Stacy, who gave me a sad smile, and then they left. I held Sherry's shoe and stood dumbfounded. Then I started to cry. Once Ryan Todd had left New Bedford High School, he sort of disappeared. But here he was again, this apparition. I could feel him next to me at Smuggler's Den. A sweet, soft song called Forget-Me-Nots was playing. I looked up at Ryan. Then I looked over at Kevin Morton. Kevin was smiling at me. I didn't know him very well, except to know that he was really popular when he was in high school. He had a fit baseball player's body. He looked like a young Robert Redford with blonde hair and perfectly straight white teeth. He was different from Ryan. He wasn't sweet and nice. He had a reputation for using girls. He was cocky about it, even now that he was just working as a painter. He didn't go to college, and he wasn't a star football player anymore. That didn't matter. He was still sure of himself, and he was still completely good-looking. What are you girls doing here? he asked. I didn't know what to say. Nothing, I said. Ryan stood up and walked a few feet closer. Want to dance, he asked me. I could feel a kind of excitement rise up inside me. Okay, I said. He took my hand and walked me to the dance floor. I could feel his energy enter my body as I felt my hand in his. He guided me gently onto the dance floor, trying to find the course with the least obstacles. He put his arm around my waist. He leaned in close to my ear. You look really nice, he whispered, but loud enough for me to hear. My heart and body were screaming, and I could feel my breaths grow shallow. I wondered what would happen if I fainted in the middle of the dance floor. He pulled away from me, and we danced close to each other, but not close enough to touch. I had permission to look at him and be with him. He was smiling. In a pool of heat, I could feel my heart pounding. He was so handsome. His brown hair was shorter than before. His eyes were deep and dark. He had on jeans and a white t-shirt. He leaned in close to me to tell me something. And when he did, his face brushed against my cheek. This close, I could smell his soapy smell. It made me long to be with him, not just tonight, but in his world. It made me want to be Stacy. I'm so glad you're here, he said. I leaned in close to him. And when I did, I fell a little into him. He caught me and held me steady. 
I'm glad you're here too. I missed you, I said. He nodded, then smiled and kept dancing. We kept dancing, staring at each other. It was the same stare. We still liked each other deep down. I felt pretty again, someone with value. The tequila made me feel loose and happy. I knew that this was only going to last a short while, and I felt a longing and an urge to somehow make things slow down. We looked at each other as we moved to the dance music. Another song ended, and it was strangely silent for a moment. I looked down at the floor. The SOS band, Take Your Time, started. Ryan took both of my hands and held them while we danced. I watched his biceps flex as he danced, and I longed to be next to him. I decided that I would go home with him if he asked me. I would have sex with him again. He was smiling at me, and we just kept moving to the music. Finally, a slow song started up. We looked at each other awkwardly. I think we were afraid to slow dance, to be that close. I think I want a drink, I said loudly to be sure he could hear me. He put his arm on my waist, and we navigated the dark tables. There were couples making out in the dark booths in the farthest part of the bar. I wanted to go back there with Ryan. I wanted to be kissing him that minute. On the dance floor, the disco lights turned dark, and a few lights flickered here and there across the dance floor. The floor emptied out except for a few couples that remained and immediately embraced. We walked back over to the bar. Kevin Morton was sitting on the same bar stool. He had a straw in his mouth, and he shook his head as he finished his drink. He slurped the rest of his cocktail through the ice. He took the straw out of his mouth. Shame, 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 he said, and kind of laughed. He stuck the straw back into the glass and stirred the ice. He put the glass down. Shame on you guys. He was one of Ryan's best friends. I knew that he knew everything that had happened. He knew about the abortion. We're leaving, Steve said abruptly. He had his arm around Kathy's waist. Kathy looked over her shoulder at me and smiled as she started out ahead of us. It was clear she was going to bring Steve home and spend the night with him. Okay, I said, and Kathy was smiling. She said, what are you going to do, Donna? Do you want to ride? Ryan interrupted. I smiled and nodded. I couldn't say anything because my body was flying around the club. I had lost all of my earthly weight and I had become this feeling of complete euphoria. I remembered every second of that night after the keg party, the night I had been with Ryan. The way he touched me and talked to me. Maybe if we got together this time, we could start seeing each other. Then Ryan said, I'm with Kevin. He'll have to drive us to my car at my house, but then I could bring you home? The proposition brought me back down to earth. Okay, I said. I felt kind of silly. That seemed complicated. I sat in the middle while Kevin drove us to Ryan's house. Kevin just stared out the window and chewed on his straw. He pushed in a cassette tape when we first got into the car. You better, you better, you bet by the who was playing. None of us said anything, and it was the kind of situation where I wanted it to be over as soon as possible. I felt like I was a foreigner in between these two guys who knew each other so well. The fact that they were best friends and not saying anything just made it obvious that my being there was wrong. Ryan held my hand the whole way. At one point, he rubbed the top of my hand gently. His fingers moved across my knuckles. As he touched each knuckle, I could feel the blood pumping in my heart. It felt like his lips on my skin. Before the song on the tape was over, Kevin pulled into Ryan's driveway and stopped the car. He turned the ignition key off and the music stopped. 
It was total silence and darkness outside. I looked at Ryan's house. I had never seen his house before. The lights were off, and I knew that inside his family was sleeping. It gave me a funny feeling. I didn't have the right to be there. Kevin Morton turned and looked at Ryan. You guys aren't going to fucking do this again, are you? Kevin asked. He seemed mad. I let go of Ryan's hand and looked down. Even though he was right next to me, Kevin turned and said loudly, Do you want another fucking abortion, Donna? I looked up at him slowly. My face was close to his. I felt like he didn't have a right to say that. He didn't even know me. I was shocked. The word abortion exploded in the air and remained there. I wanted Kevin to take it back, but he didn't. His eyes stayed fixed on me. He was glaring at me. What are you, fucking stupid? He then looked at Ryan again. Are you stupid, Todd? Todd was what his friends sometimes called him. Kevin turned away and started staring at the steering wheel. I looked at Ryan. He was now looking down at the floor. I just want to go home, I said in a soft voice. I waited for Ryan to say something. Okay, he said, and he said it as if it was no big deal, as if I was making a big deal out of something. You can go home. He paused for a second, then leaned close to me and asked, Do you want me to bring you home? I did want to be with him, but what Kevin said was true, and I felt stupid. No, I finally said. Then it was weird, because now I was stuck out in the south end of New Bedford. Do you want Kevin to bring you home? I didn't say anything at first. I wondered for a moment where Kathy was, if she was still at Smuggler's. I could go with her, but I realized she probably had left already. I guess so, I finally said. Ryan turned, about to say something else to me, but I didn't look at him. Then he opened the passenger's door and got out of the car. He closed the door gently and waved goodbye. I didn't wave back. I didn't say anything as Kevin started the car. I just watched Ryan and looked at his house. It didn't take long for his dark figure to make it to the door, open it, and disappear. The outside turned silent. I kept thinking I had never seen Ryan's house before. It seemed like a big deal. It seemed to mean something. It was different than I expected. It was just an ordinary house, clean and well-kept, sort of like Nana's. Kevin pulled away from the curb, and I stared out. I had a glimpse at Ryan's life as we passed through his neighborhood. A couple of blocks later, we were driving past East Beach down Rodney French Boulevard. It was dark, late night. The street lights looked yellow and faintly lighted up little sections of the sidewalk and streets. The industrial buildings looked brown and gray. We started driving, and Kevin hit a button, fast-forwarded the cassette, and then another tricky day started up. Finally, I turned from the window and said, You didn't have to do that, Kevin. That was mean. What? What was mean? He asked and beat on the steering wheel to the music. I can't help it if you're some kind of nympho. And then a second later, he added, Maniac. And then he started to sing along with the song. Fuck you, Kevin, I said. He kept singing along with the music, quietly, almost to himself. He was smiling, almost laughing. The car turned on the highway. I settled into the seat and looked out the window. It was late, probably two in the morning. Everything moved past quickly, and Kevin just kept singing. He pulled onto Church Street and then stopped at a stop sign. The road was deserted. Lights changed at empty intersections. Not a soul was out. He waited a long time, and I could tell he was looking at me but I kept staring out the window. He turned the car stereo off. Donna, he said. I'm sorry, but you don't want to do that again. Trust me. 
I looked at him. Trust him. What a jerk. Kevin looked at me and then he smiled, waited, then said, you're glad I did it, aren't you? What? I asked. Oh my God, I said, I can't believe you. Come on, he said, you're glad. Whatever, I said, just bring me home. I don't think that's the best choice, but if that's what you want to do. He started driving again. What? I asked. What do you mean? I know you think I'm an asshole, he said. And then he turned to me as he drove. But I'm really a nice guy. Oh, really? I asked. I couldn't help but laugh. He pulled the car over and stepped on the brake. He turned to me. Why don't you come with me to this place that I'm staying? I lit a cigarette and rolled down the window a crack. Do you want to go right home, he asked. I didn't want to go home yet. I wanted to see what would happen next. We could go to the place I'm staying at, he asked again.